You're listening to GDA Podcast, powered by GDA Speakers, now available on iTunes and all other podcast platforms with new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. GDA Podcast showcases insightful conversations from the best thought leaders, educators, policy experts, motivators, and storytellers on the keynote speaking circuit today. Want today's guest at your next event? Call GDA Speakers at 214-420-1999 or visit gdaspeakers.com. And now, here's this episode of GDA Podcast with hosts Scale and Kyle Davis. Enjoy. Okay, so with us on today's episode of GDA Podcast, we have Mike Rayburn. And as people know, when I do this by myself, I typically uh, like to have the the guest uh, introduce himself. So with that being said, we have uh, Guitar Virtuoso, and I can't even pronounce it, that word, I guess, and uh, Personal Development (laughs) Specialist, Mike Rayburn. So how are you, man? Hey there. Thank you so much, man. Uh, I'm doing great. Good. Well, um, to help our listeners out and to kind of provide them more color and context as to who you are and what you're about. Uh, give us a little bit of like your background and, and everything else. Sure. Uh, the, the quick summation is that uh, I am a presenter. I, I call myself a keynote artist. I teach innovation and performance possibility thinking uh, for corporations and associations. But I do it using guitar and comedy rather than PowerPoint and statistics, so it's a lot more fun. Uh, it's usually an opening or a closing keynote or a pick-me-up-in-the-middle-of-the-conference. And uh, I've been doing this for about 16 years, and it's worked really well. Uh, my delivery is a little different, so I kind of encourage people. I say, you know, if you want your people to be innovative and different and they want to try new things, why use the same old speaker with PowerPoint formula? Try something a little different, you know, model what you want to see. So uh, that's what I do. That's awesome. So how did you how did you first off get into the space of just innovation, like, you know, optimization, human performance and all of that? How, how did you come into that field? Sure. Uh, my background is uh, my, you know, I'm from a totally sports family, and I was the black sheep with liking guitar and music and getting it. I still play at all the sports and everything, but I had this, uh, uh, th- that side to me. And out of nowhere, when I was in 11th grade, my father gave me, this is so not him, but he gave me a book called Psycho-Cybernetics uh, mm-hmm. by a guy named Malt. And uh, and I read it, and I believed it, and it made sense about the power of the mind, the power of focus, the power of thought. And so I always practiced these things as I pursued this career in the arts. As I, was a, I was signed to Sony Music Publishing in Nashville. I was touring as a guitarist and comedian and very creative, all these creative friends, but I had this personal development uh, innovation, studying creativity side, the side that was, and, and entrepreneurial, uh, you know, business has been at the center of everything I've done. And so I, I kept that to myself. And then finally, uh, as we were sharing earlier, I, I was playing at a comedy club and I had this little sort of motivational little 30 second or one minute spiel I did in my, even my comedy clubs. And uh, a friend of mine said, Mike, you're clean, you're funny, and you have a message you're a speaker and you don't even know it. And I said, what's a speaker? And uh, she explained it. And I said, you mean like a motivational speaker? And she said, yes. And I said, I don't know. So I, anyway, I 
that's when the idea occurred to me. And I realized, this is probably the best thing, is I realized by combining guitar and comedy, but to deliver this message that I was also demonstrating as I delivered it, I could do something no one else was doing. For better or for worse, no one else does what I do. And so that's, that's kind of how I got started. That was back in 2001 is when I started that. So, you know, kind of coming from like this just overall performance, whether it be sports or just playing guitar or everything else, what, what to you are you seeing are like the fundamentals uh, without obviously giving away the family farm? Uh, you know, what, what are people really, you know, lacking or, or where can they spend more time to focus on uh, to really just improve their overall performance and you know, maybe lead innovation and, and different things like that? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of areas that I see that people, it's not that they're, Avoiding them, I just don't think they know what they are. Uh, one of the things, and one of the most important points, is a decision. And this is what I, this is kind of the culmination of my keynote. I, I talk about this decision: the decision to become your personal best. I call it make the choice to become a virtuoso. Most people never make that decision. Most people um, rise instead to the level of acceptable or what's okay or what's getting by, or what's making it, and rather than their personal best. Um, the way I explain it is the opposite of becoming a virtuoso isn't failure. The opposite of virtuoso is competent. There are plenty of competent people. There are precious few virtuosos. But when we make that choice to say, okay, I'm going to become my personal best at this, and I encourage them to make a list. Well, what, is, what does that mean? You and I have talked about that. Well, what, what does that actually mean? You know, what, what's that going to look like? And when I uh, and when they do, they say, "Oh well, I'd read more. I'd get coaching. I would talk to people. I would, um, I would, uh, I would practice. I would literally, you know, rehearse. Uh, even sales, even uh, um, IT. There's ways to rehearse. Um, and when they make that list and they start acting on it, everything changes. Because w- one of the points I make is that I discovered this because when someone asked me that same question, um, I was I realized that because things were working, I was coasting. And most adults are coasting. And here's the problem with coasting. It only happens downhill. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you make this decision, it's, you're no longer coasting. You're no longer doing just what your boss or your company or just you, what you've learned in the past defines. You're, you have raised the bar. You've made the choice. That I'm going to become my personal best at this. Most people never make this decision. So that's where I start. And then, of course, we can flesh out, you know, what that means as far as rehearsal and how people practice and that sort of thing. But that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you kind of made this uh, about, you know, whether you're coasting or not. I think a lot of people, um, you know, forget the old adage of, you know, you should never rest on your laurels, but so many people do. Uh, and kind of, you know, creeping complacency happens. So what are some mm-hmm. things that you think people can do to help identify whether they're they're coasting or not? Or is it really just as simple as making this decision that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm always going to choose growth and keep going in that direction no matter what? Sure. First of all, have your results leveled off or started to go down? Uh, second of all, has your passion or enjoyment of what you do leveled off or started to uh, go down? Uh, those, are, those are the first two that come right, right to mind because usually we don't uh, – in fact, I was just talking to a friend who's a speaker right now where we're talking about this, where um, when the levels – we don't notice something is, is the way it is until we see the results change. 
And, um, and when the results start to level off or they're not as good, then the alarm starts to go off. And what I encourage people to do is to make this decision proactively. Don't wait for the alarm. Don't wait for results or, or my gosh, you're passionate to, to wear out. If, if, you, if you're no longer passionate about what you do, up your game. You know, um, make the choice to become great at it. Make the choice to, um, to pursue it. And, you know, obviously you can get mentors. You, I, I kind of listed some of those things you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the first thing I would say, your results and your passion. Yeah, I think if you're waiting for the results and you're not like introspective enough to to key in on whether you're still passionate or not, uh, then you're you're almost waiting for something and you're getting the results just too late. Sometimes, not yep. all the time. Sometimes. Yep, and that's and that's just that's one of the indicators. And so, and you can also see, you know, how are the people around you reacting to things? Has the morale gone down? Have they started to treat you differently? And then, again, if you're pursuing this on a regular basis, uh, one of the other things it opens, and this is actually the beginning of of my uh, keynote, is it opens the idea of reinvention. Um, We've always needed to reinvent everything. Everything on the planet needs to reinvent uh, Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. But the only thing is what's changed of late is the uh, speed with which we need to do it or the frequency with which we need to do it because things are changing because technology um, is uh, doubling its capacity so quickly uh, we need to to reinvent so people have shorter attention spans and you need to give people a reason to look again a reason to uh, reconsider the reason to to that you stay you know front and center in their minds and yeah so I, I give them some tools for reinvention but that's that's a that's a major part of this so when you like, I mean, I can go into like the depths and, and, and anybody who's like listened to the podcast before knows that I can go into like the depths of, of personal performance and always choosing growth. And I'm like hyper aware of all this stuff. And like, this is like my wheelhouse, <laughs> so to speak. So, um, I mean, we could definitely keep going into this direction and, and dive into the weeds, but I'm curious as to, you know, when you start adding this comedy element and, and I've had this conversation about other speakers who just do other stuff differently, that it's kind of like a shock to the system and it really helps uh, people who are used to receiving it in one way. Um, once they receive it in, in a way that's delivered in, in a new, in a new way, the uptake is much higher. So I'm just wondering if you have anything that just shows, I mean, I mean, obviously it's probably hard to have analytics on it, but you know, how, how receptive are people and how's that working out for you? Oh, well, it works great. You particularly mentioned uh, humor. Um, humor and, and, and also, it's one thing, I say humor. I don't mean humor on the uh, doing hack jokes that, that people, half the audience already knows the punchline to. You know, there's a number of speakers who do that, and I applaud them for adding any humor at all. But, mm-hmm. you know, my background uh, as, as a comedian for many years and studying comedy on a regular basis. I study each of the aspects of my program on a regular basis. I have a program I follow in, in improving. And, um, and what happens with humor, the greatest thing about humor is it's disarming. As soon as people laugh, they're at ease. They laugh, they're like, oh, okay, I can get this. Oh, okay, this is different. And also, if it's humor that's on a level that makes them think. Now, some people could look at the things I do and go, 
they might have, I don't know what their reactions are, but I like to think that a lot of it makes you think that a lot of it is, is something they were not expecting. When I do, I, I don't know anyone who's ever thought to do an imitation of Led Zeppelin singing Dr. Seuss. It works perfectly and people go, oh my gosh. Well, when they laugh at that and then I follow it with, hey, you know, something like the best way to influence anyone is to jump into their world, to relate to them on their level. They're already at ease and they're ready to hear that message and to take it in. So that's, that's one of the, the reactions or one of the um, results I have found in every keynote. Uh, they'll all talk about, thank you, I needed to laugh and I just enjoyed the message so much more because of it, that kind of reaction. Do you think like, and, and I have like a few friends that are comedians and some of like, the the big you know personal development people that I like listening to are also comedians. Do you think having the the um to to constantly change and vary your work over time? I mean, like uh, uh, when I was living in New York City, I go to comedy shows, and I can't tell you how many times I saw the same performer, but it was never the same set, and we're talking like weeks apart. Um, do you think like having the ability to constantly gin up new stuff and new material and really kind of push the envelope every bit of the way helps you have a better understanding of how to keep choosing this growth? Because that's just something that popped into my head. Yes, and you you actually nailed it. And you nailed what this is what I what I want to show people. It, well, that's just, I want to show people. I by by writing new material, by showing how I write new material, I am practicing and showing on stage exactly the the behavior I'm trying to inspire, and so they get to see the result of it. When mm-hmm. I say, like I talk about change um, uh, a lot, I my my philosophy is like Peter Drucker, where I say managing change. Everyone tells me they're trying to manage change. Every group, every pre-event call, we're trying to manage change. Um, and I say managing change is not only stupid, it's dangerous. The only way to manage change is to create change, right? And so I'm giving them the tools. And so I'll talk about one of the things I'll talk about with change is that we usually imagine something that didn't exist. Someone has an idea, they create it, it exists. And sometimes that's the case. But most often, it's something that already existed and someone's willing to look at it a little different or use it a little differently or disparate items that had never been put together the same way. And uh, for instance, Dollar Shave Club, that guy just um, sold that company for a billion dollars, okay? Dollar Shave Club is razors and the postal service. (laughs) They had never been put together before. This guy put them together, and he created huge value. It's overtaken uh, on online markets. He owns everything compared to Gillette or Schick. And so – so I so I'm talking about that kind of um, the, the tools that that cause you to do that. Uh, the other p- point I'll make is in putting things together that hadn't been put together before. I use the example of Apple's iPod, uh, which uh, when it came out, it changed not just the entire consumer electronics industry; it changed the entire entertainment industry. We buy and sell music on iTunes single-handedly because of the iPod. So people think, well, that was something brand new. It's, no, actually, it's not. The day the iPod came out. It was nothing more, and you know this better than I do. It's, it was MP3 technology, which had existed for 10 years beforehand. The difference is, you know, uh, every company, Toshiba, Nakamichi, Yamaha, um, Samsung, they all had it. The difference is Apple was willing to say, well, what if? That's what I teach. What if? Um, what if we take it, we make it a little smaller, give it this cool housing, earbuds that don't fit. Uh, <laughs> they're better now. Um, and, uh, and when they did, it changed everything. And so the point I make, the, the, the way I pull this in is I'll say, 
I am here because I believe those opportunities are sitting in front of you right now. You just need to find the tools to hope to unearth them. And what if, you know, my program, what asking what if is one great way to do that. I will then illustrate that by putting things together that had never been put together before, like Led Zeppelin singing Dr. Seuss, like Bob Marley singing One Direction, like, you know, I'll do current ones, I'll do old ones, you know, Springsteen singing Green Acres, um, or, or current with Ed Sheeran and, you know, uh, Taylor Swift. So, uh, so that is, so it becomes that I'm actually demonstrating my version, my the way I use this tool as an example for how you can use this tool. Yeah, I, I just think like there, there's just something there with like comedians or even just like creatives in general are constantly having to change, you know, what it is and rethink things. I mean, again, you know, some of my friends, um, you know that I know, I mean, they're, I mean, they're not famous stand-up comedians yet, but they're constantly writing and they're constantly going to these improv classes and it's the same exercises, you know, here's an idea, yep. act it out. I mean, I mean, the architects, the architecture is the same, but how you get there and how you build it is, is completely different. And it's just yeah. a, you know. and the tool, but here's the thing, the thing, the whole point is the tool is the same the tool that I'm using to come up with something funny having to do with Taylor Swift or something funny having to do with country music. Uh, one of the things I do is country versions of songs that should never be done country. And, and I update that list all the time. And uh, so, you know, when you got a country, yeah, country version of Flo Rida, you know, uh, right. apple bottom jeans and the boots with the fur, uh, that kind right. of thing. And, and so that process is the same process that a financial planner can use to come up with a solution for a client. It's the same process that a leader that can come up with, uh, can use to come up with a way to communicate his ideas or her ideas to the team. It's the same, name the profession, I can show you how it applies. And so what I do is I know the tools, I know how, I know the creative tools. And then in, in my pre-event calls, I have a series of questions that I'm gonna ask just so that I can figure out how this applies for them. And I will come in there with what is questions that, that specifically apply to their job, their uh, medium, their uh, area of expertise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and one of the things that you said, or, or maybe it's that I just wrote it down because I felt like you were, you were hinting at it was sometimes it's about how something is packaged and presented. And you're talking about how, you know, when Apple came out with iTunes and the iPod, you know, 15 so years ago, or maybe even 20 years ago, gosh, who knows, um, that it was not new technology. It was just repackaged and presented in a different manner. And uh, you now have some companies that have these outward facing offices that are always looking, whether it be for like new technology or for new, you know, ways of, of, you know, structuring teams and different things like that. And they're, they're constantly looking outward to bring that stuff inward. And so I'm, I'm just curious as to what your thoughts are. I mean, obviously I personally yeah. think that people should be always looking outward and, and then taking the best of, of everything basically, because if you're not stealing, you're not trying. So, so yeah. you, know, you know, what, what, what's, what's there for people to, to chew on? Well, I think first of all, both are valid. You have to be looking outward. Uh, I'm, I study one of my favorite things to do just to keep myself mindset wise ready for, for clients and for presenting what I already know I'm going to present is I, I, I read futurists, uh, mm-hmm. people like Dan Burris. 
uh, who's a great friend, by the way. Um, and uh, I will, because I, I want to know what's coming next. I want to know where people are thinking five years from now, 10 years from now, what's going on. I mean, everyone knows that uh, Uber is looking at driverless cars. How many people know Uber is actually studying drones, <laughs> as in flying people to, to their locations? They are, okay? I want to know that kind of thing. And so, um, so there's a, obviously there's an outward focus, and I want to keep that. But what, I guess what happens is I can't tell a financial planner how to come up with a better uh, way to structure a 401k for someone. I can give them the mindset to find it for themselves. And so what I'm concerned with is the mindset. I'm concerned with, okay, is your mindset one that's looking for solutions, whether they're outward looking, mm-hmm. whether it's something that's been sitting here as a gem in the rough that we didn't know about. And, and I think both exist. So if you, the key is to change the mindset. If I can change their mindset to one that's curious about the world, to one that's, that's open to, 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 will it be, uh, one of the ways I say it is, um, uh, one of the powers of asking what if is that it doesn't mean you're going to do this. Whatever this new idea, process, product, concept, whatever, it doesn't mean you're going to do it. And counterintuitively, that's a huge strength, a lack of commitment, because if there's nothing on the line, at that moment, absolutely anything is possible. And that's where we want to start. The mindset of, of uh, being willing to set aside the old thinking, to step into the new and say, well, what if we tried this? And the thing is, it's a, it's a safe, it's, it's, it's a perfect situation because it's safe. The old thinking is still there. You can pick it up again if you want to, but the key is to not be married to it. The key is to be willing to let it go. And so that mindset allows us to find something, whether it's outward, like a new technology, a new way of doing this, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon delivering packages by drone, or whether it's something that's sitting there, hey, we've all had this MP3 technology. <gasps> what if we hook it up to the internet? We make the housing a little smaller. We give it earbuds, make it personal. It holds a thousand songs and we sell it that way. And boom, you know, he did and he stole all, rec- all record sales from all record companies <laughs> in one fell swoop. He, right. he, he turned it upside down. Yeah. Well, I think also kind of when when I think you and I are talking and, and I was really impressed by the fact that you said that you look at people in other industries, to, like yeah. futurists, for instance, to see kind of what it is they're doing and how they're thinking and where things might be going or where they think things might be going. And I think it's really yeah. important, and I'm sure you would agree, that you know if you're going to be one of these people who's going to go out and seek knowledge to make sure that you're, you're outward looking, you know, look, look elsewhere instead of stuff that's like going to confirm your own biases. Because I think too often sometimes people kind of get into this echo chamber where they, they're just trying to find something that like uh, can you know, helps them sleep at night versus, you know, opening up their mind to, to go somewhere else. I love the phrase echo chamber. That's a great uh, metaphor for what that is. Yes. Listen to the echoes of themselves, listen to the echoes of the people around them. And you're right. We, we I encourage that. Um, I, for instance, if you look at music, uh, my fav- my all time favorite uh, rock piece is Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the seminal pieces in, in rock history. And it's my favorite rock song, but it's mm-hmm. classical. It's got, it's, yeah, it's got a full rock band and it rocks at the end. You know, the part when uh, Wayne's World, they're all shaking their heads up now. Um, mm-hmm. When that kicks in, it's a rock and roll song. But when you've got the opera pieces going, you've got the different chords. He changes keys about five times in that, that piece. 
Um, I know this because that's part of my performance. I perform Bohemian Rhapsody on an acoustic guitar, and there are a few guitars in the world who've ever done that. And, um, and so I've had to study it. I studied it. I, I didn't perform it until I've been studying it for probably six years, mm-hmm. maybe a little more, maybe a little less, um, working on it. But that's the key. He did a, a, the seminal rock piece of all time, uh, in my opinion, has classical influences. Now, someone else might say, okay, well, I think it's Stairway to Heaven. Well, you want to talk about classical, there's classical all through that, okay? So they've mm-hmm. been willing to step beyond, okay, just talking about rock stars, they were willing to step beyond guitar, bass, and drums, keyboards, and look at symphony, and look at jazz, and look at reggae, and look at other forms of music and incorporate those. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, well, for instance, just a quick, one more example. Um, and I've never thought about even sharing this before, but this just popped to mind as we've been talking. Uh, when Clapton had been with the Yardbirds and he'd been doing his own thing, he'd been with Cream, he'd been doing this thing. And then he went through a period, he was, you know, had a drug problem and stuff like that. What re- one of the things that reinvigorated his career was when he did I Shot the Sheriff. Huh? And it was a huge hit. That's Bob Marley. That's, that's reggae. He did a beat that we had not heard before. That, that, that's, a, that's a reggae beat. I stopped the stereo. And, uh, and it changed everything because he was willing to look outside of his own medium. And so, yeah, I love it when, um, when I get a, a, you know, a, a group. Of, I, I present a lot for the financial services uh, uh, world, but um, uh, that in healthcare. And when they're willing to look outside and say, hey, what if we bring, you know, what if a hospital brings entertainers in to make this place a place that people look forward to coming to rather than a place that they're, you know, dreading? Uh, you know, th- those kind of, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I just think it like when you start thinking of different structures and everything, it just, it helps. I mean, in, in introducing new ways for, for people to consume something. Uh, is also helpful, you know, whether it be a, a reggae beat or, or something else or, or classical con- construction of a, of a rock song. Uh, it helps. Crescendos, man. We got to talk about crescendos. <laughs> if the, the, the one thing I remember from music, hum. <laughs> yeah. Crescendos, I mean, all, all of my programs, uh, I, I think in terms of the crescendo. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but yes. No, I didn't. Uh, uh, I think in terms of the crescendo, because the crescendo is, uh, do we want to end on a, hey, well, uh, that's my time. Take care. <laughs> no, you want to end on a big no. You want to end on something like the coolest thing, the funniest thing, the the, the note when everyone's, uh, and that's the crescendo. We're going to ramp our way up to a big ending. Mm-hmm. And it's, the, it's all about the build, and then boom, you hit them with the crescendo, and you just walk out, drop the mic, and <laughs> head on yeah. out. So, um, you, you know, you mentioned this, that, uh, you know, you're, you talk about a lot about the what if, and I know that that was the title, I think of a book that you wrote a few years back. Uh, but it's also, uh, the inspiration for a new video series that you have going on. So could you, um, you know, tell the audience yes. about that and how that works? Yes, this is so cool. Um, so my challenge, and I imagine any meeting professional who is listening to this, anyone who knows anything about conferences will know this. You get everyone all excited at a conference. They go home ready to do all these new things. And then old mindsets and old office politics and the way things are and this thing going on and that fire comes up and you got to put it out. And all of a sudden the excitement dissipates. Mm-hmm. I was looking for a way to sustain that. How can I 
sustain or grow it, um, and also give it legs, give them some some ways to apply this, to take this and actually make it make a change, actually have it um, have people take action on it. And so I created some my again, like you said, my keynote is called "What If the What If Keynote Experience." Uh-huh. So I've got them asking, "What if?" They come up with these new new ideas. They get home. The question is, "What now?" So I created a program called "What Now." your what if action for the week. And what it is, is uh, for, for past clients, for clients I just finished presenting for or ones I already have, um, I will, those who subscribe, I create a approximately three minute, maybe a little more, people don't listen to much more than three minutes, um, three minute video every week that goes, that we personally brand so in other words if nationwide insurance does it we put the nationwide uh logo on it if um uh if uh, Vizient healthcare does it we'll put their logo on it um at the beginning and the end so they know it's from them it's for them and uh and so i create this video and it's a different tool each week to be able to apply to act on this and i'm going to play guitar a little bit we're going to make it fun so people aren't dreading oh here's another talking head and uh, we, we send that out to everyone every week. And once the cool thing is subscribers, I don't care how many people you send it to. So an organization, if you want to send it, we send you a link. It's a, it's a protected link on, on Vimeo. And from there, you send it to 100 people or 100,000 people or a million people. I don't care. Same price. I don't want to follow people up and go, how many are you sending? It's for everyone. <laughs> And, uh, and it's just ways to, I am concerned with real change. I am concerned with not just making people feel like, rah, rah, this was fun, but how did it actually change my life a year from now? And so this is my, this is my, uh, my <laughs> plant, my flag in the ground. This is where I, I'm, I'm working on. So uh, we've created them and uh, it's just now launched and of course, as I, you and I talked about before, I'm honing this and I'm 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 making it better every day. Uh, but this is this is my focus, my 100% focus right now, other than my normal practice and rehearsal schedule for for my keynotes and playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think it's and what we've been seeing kind of in the industry too is that um, to really have a lasting impact, to have a follow up. That is very short and easy to digest, but always kind of brings the attention back to what, um, you know, what was the original focus for bringing you in in the first place? Um, That long-term benefit has been, you know, mutually beneficial for everybody. And it's, it's really helped a lot of companies out. Yes. And the other thing we do is I kind of look at it like uh, I, I want everyone to be on the team. Uh, I always I always think in terms of how can this be win win win, and so for instance with speakers bureaus, uh, if I if if a a company who has brought me in for an event uh, through a speakers bureau uh, subscribes to this, I'm going to give the commission uh, the same commission to the bureau, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I want to include everyone. So that with the idea of being, uh, I don't want to be penny wise and pound foolish. I want everybody to, to participate because. Ultimately, uh, I mean, everyone talks about having an abundance mindset, but how does that matter in the way you act? How does it matter in the decisions that you make? And so I, I believe that this is an abundance play. It's an abundance idea. And so uh, the more people I include in it, I just believe it's going to be better in the long run. 
Yeah, I, I think I think that'll be great for everybody. Well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up. So if you're thinking to yourself, what now? Well, I guess you should probably pick up the phone uh, and call GDA speakers. The number is 214-420-1999. If you want to get Mike Rayburn to come out and and speak and entertain and play his guitar uh, at your next event, um, you can reach us there or you can go to gdaspeakers.com. For the transcript, uh, the book, uh, and anything else, you can go to gdapodcast.com. And with that being said, Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you. I love working with you guys, and I appreciate this uh, podcast opportunity. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. So... Thanks for listening to this episode of GDA Podcast, powered by GDA Speakers. If you're interested in booking today's guest, visit GDA Speakers at gdaspeakers.com or call 214-420-1999. Visit gdapodcast.com and subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date and be informed of new episodes, blog posts, and more. Be sure to follow GDA Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at GDA Podcast, as well as Facebook at facebook.com slash GDA Podcast. Thanks again and stay tuned for more from GDA Podcast and GDA Speakers.